Hey, by the way, if you're new to church generally, if you've never been to church before, maybe you're coming in from a different religious background or no background at all, you're just curious, you're exploring, maybe it's been years and years since the last time you had anything to do with the church, we are so thrilled that you're here. And we hope you find that Thrive is a safe place for you, a place where you can be yourself, a place where you can find some hope and some community to help you start this brand new week. And if we can be of any assistance to you at all, if we can answer any questions you may have, you can always email us at mythrive.org, sorry, not, not mythrive, but at, at info at thrivechurch.ca. I'm sorry, info at thrivechurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you. Can we give all of our staff and our volunteers here a big hand? Just thank them for all their hard work today. We appreciate you guys online, in front of the camera, behind the scenes with our kids' ministry. We are so thankful for each and every one of you. Thanks for all that you do in 2021, and thanks for all that you do this coming year. Here's believing the best is yet to come. Well, hey, our theme for this year is New Heart, New Horizons. It's because we fully believe that God has new horizons for you, is that God doesn't want you to stay in the same place, stuck in the same ruts, but he wants us to grow. He wants us to move forward. It's New Heart, New Horizons. Maybe you here and you're, you're stuck in a, an old, negative, unhealthy way of thinking. Maybe it's worry. Maybe it's just a complaining attitude. And you find that you've been stuck in that rut for a while. I believe that this new year, God wants to renew your heart and your mind by challenging the way that you think and experience a new horizon with him. Maybe you're here and for the longest time you've been battling something. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's the health of someone you love. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a mental health condition. Maybe it's depression. Maybe uh, it's a legal battle you're going through. Maybe it's financial issues you're going through. It may be an ongoing old battle in your life, but here, let me tell you right now, I believe in this new year that God wants to give you a new heart to face that old battle, such that you're not going to face and approach that battle the same way this year, that you have a new heart for a new horizon. Maybe you're here and in your relationships, you find that you keep hitting a wall, that you keep on you know, getting into the same kind of heartbreak or tension or conflict in your life with your relationships right now. I believe that God wants you to experience a new horizon when it comes to relationships, in the way that you approach relationships, in the way you treat people, deal with people, and the way that you love yourself as well. That's called new heart, new horizons. Remember to say, God has new horizons for you. God has new horizons for you. We fully believe that. But how many of us know this? In a year where we're talking about new heart and new horizons, if you want to fully experience the new horizons that God has for you, it all begins with having a new heart. Because you're going to find that the condition of your heart impacts the limit of your horizon, the reach of your horizon. Is that any change that happens in your life that lasts for good, it has to happen from the inside out. And so it all begins with the heart. That's why we talk new heart, new horizons. How do you get a new heart for a new horizon? Well, the fact is that we've already been talking about new heart, new horizons in a lot of different ways, even before this day. If you look at October and November of last year, if you go to our Thought Church Vancouver podcast, you'll see a number of messages where we're unpacking this idea of new heart, new horizons. Talk about different ways you can experience a new heart for a new horizon. We talk about the power of giving thanks, you know, choosing the attitude of gratitude. You know, we talked about upgrading your lens. Pastor Charlie give a, a powerful message on that back in you know, October. You talk about you know, getting out of the rut and into the truth. What happens when we get into mental ruts where we start getting stuck in these unhealthy ways of thinking? How do we get out of that? Talking about you're know, doing an inventory of, life, of your life. Pastor Nick was sharing about that. And see, today I want to give you a message that's also talking about New Heart, New Horizons, but it's going to look at it from another angle. Talk about another aspect of New Heart, New Horizons. Are you guys ready? Here we go. We're going to talk today about one other aspect of getting a new heart for a new horizon. Today, the message here to, that I'm here to share with you is called Stop Living in the Past. Stop Living in the Past. We turn to and say, Stop Living in the Past. Stop 
See, I'm here to let you know that the way you see your past is either helping you forward or it's holding you back is that how you see your past today is impacting you either negatively or positively. And so how do you know what is the healthy way to see your past? We're gonna talk about that today. Let me start by telling you a story. Is that back on January 1, 1929, almost 100 years ago, there was a major important football game that was happening in the United States. It's called the Rose Bowl. It's the College Football National Championship. It takes the two top college teams, they pit them against one another for the national championship in college football. In fact, the last one happened yesterday, but the one that happened in 1929 was between two teams, one with the University of California, a school that I wish I went to, versus the Georgia Tech University. And so it's University of California versus Georgia Tech University going head to head in this one football game to determine the national champions. And this is happening at the Rose Bowl in 1929. And during the first half of the game, the game is tied 0-0. Georgia Tech has the ball. And in the middle of one of the plays, they lose the ball. They fumble the ball. The ball drops on the ground. And who is it to pick it up? It's someone from the University of California, the other team. His name is Roy Regals. Roy Regals, he grabs the ball and he starts running as fast as he can. He wants to score in the end zone. So he's running as fast as he can. For some reason, no one can seemingly catch him. He's so fast. He's running so hard. But then there was a problem. The problem is he was running in the wrong direction is that rather than running toward the opponent's end zone to score, he was running toward his own end zone. He was running in the wrong direction. He was running the wrong way. As a result, his teammates were like shouting, Roy, you're going the wrong way. Roy, turn around. Roy, you're going, and, and he had no idea until he almost reached his end zone. He turned around and realized he'd gone the wrong way. But by that point, the, the, the other team had tackled him and they ended up scoring because of it. It ended up being what is known as one of the worst mistakes in college football football history. And as a result of that, Roy Regals got a nickname from that time forward. It was, his nickname was Roy Wrongway Regals. And see, let me tell you this. This was known as one of the worst mistakes in college football history. But at halftime, Roy Regals, he was in his team's locker room. He's got his face in his hands. He's so embarrassed by what happened. Roy tells his coach, coach, I can never go back out there again. I've, you know, I've disgraced the University of California. I've disgraced you. I've disgraced me and my family. I can't face that crowd to save my life. And you know how his coach responded? His coach responded and said, Roy, get up and go back out there. The game is only half over. And see, Roy, he would end up going back out there and playing in the second half, and he would play an excellent second half. And though his team did end up losing that championship game, he would go on the years to come to become the captain of his team, and he got all American honors for his play as a football player. Not just that, but later on, he became a professor and a football coach at his university. He also served in the U.S. Air Force during World War II. And if you were to ask Roy Regals, what was the turning point of his life until that point? He would tell you, the turning point point was when my coach told me, get up and go back in there. The game is only half over. And see, why do I mention that story? It's because whether you know it or not, your past matters, but how you see your past matters even more. Is that whatever happened in your past, yes, it matters. It makes a difference. But what makes an even bigger difference in your life is how you see your past. What is the healthy way to see your past? We're going to learn about that today from a guy called Paul. Everyone say Paul. 
And see, Paul, Paul, he was at one time the most anti-Christian guy around, didn't believe in Jesus, thought all of this was, you know, garbage. It was just, you know, just like, just like stuff that, you know, only, only foolish people believe in. And that's what stands. But then he encountered Jesus in a very powerful and personal way. And his life turned around. He started becoming a church planter, a missionary who would preach the gospel. And in this letter, Philippians chapter three, is where Paul, he's writing to one of the churches that he helped to start. And we're gonna look at Philippians chapter three today, starting with verse four, and read some things that Paul's gonna say about his past and the way he sees his past. And before we read that, let me just tell you this right now, is that the biggest choice that you can make as you decide to follow Jesus, the biggest choice that you can make as you decide to become a Christian is the choice to say, I'm gonna put my trust not in myself, but in Jesus. I'm gonna put my confidence, not in me, not in what I do, not in how good I am, but I'm gonna put my confidence and my hope in God, in who Jesus is. It's not you know, believing in me, it's believing in God. And see, it's a choice that you and I need to make, not just at the beginning of our journey with Jesus, but it's a choice that you and I need to make every single day if you wanna follow Jesus. The idea that, okay, my hope is not in me, my hope is in Jesus and what he's done for me. And see, in the words of Paul, that choice is called choosing to put your trust in Jesus instead of putting your confidence in your own flesh. And we're gonna learn more about what that means and how that impacts the way we look at our past by looking at verse four right now. Could you read verse four, Philippians chapter three with me right now? Read a big loud voice right now. It says, if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. See what's going on. Stop right there. What is Paul doing? Paul is listing his credentials. He's presenting his resume. He's talking about his background, his accomplishments. And he's basically saying, hey, for an Orthodox Jew like me, this resume is as impressive as they come. I've got an impressive resume and and I know it. But see, look at what he says in verse seven. He says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. See what's Paul saying? He's saying, hey, I know that my, I've got the certain past, a certain resume, no matter how impressive that resume may be, it will be foolish for me to think that one day when I stand before God and I give to God an account of my life, that somehow I can impress God with all the good things that I've done. Because God is perfect, I'm not. God is holy, I'm not. It's, it'll be foolish for me to think that based on my own merit alone, that I can somehow earn my place in heaven or earn my approval from God because God is perfect and I'm not. And so he's saying it's silly, it's stupid to do that. In fact, he calls it two things. He calls his past and relying on his past and having confidence in his resume. He calls it two things. The first thing he calls it is a loss. He says that it's a liability. It's that he's saying it's basically, it's a distraction rather than a help for him. Is that when it comes to his relationship with God, and when it comes to his standing before God, is that for me to consider my past and my resume, that's actually a distraction. It's a loss. It's a liability. It's not a help. That's the first thing he calls it. The second thing he calls it, he calls it rubbish. And see, rubbish is the, the nice, polite, diplomatic way of saying it. Because if you look at the word that, that Paul uses, he uses the word skubalon in Greek, which basically means dung. 
It means crap. It means excrement. It's basically the only time Paul uses this word in his writing in the New Testament. He's basically saying that my resume is dung compared to who God is. And so I'll be silly to rely on the dung that is my resume in order to find a place in heaven with God because I can't do it. It's silly for me to do. So he calls it do things. He calls it a loss and he calls it dung. And see, it's the idea that God is not going to be impressed by my resume. God is not impressed by our resume, no matter how good we think we are, no matter how many people we think we've helped. At the end of the day, all of us, no matter how good we are, we are all separate from God because of our sin. But the good news is that because God loves us and didn't want to be apart from us, he sent Jesus Christ to pay for our sins, to take care of that part of our lives where we didn't do what God wanted us to do. And God, he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins so that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our failures and our faults and our mistakes and our sins. Instead, he sees someone who is righteous and clean and acceptable in the sight. Oh, come on, give God and give Jesus a big hand in this place right now. That's the love and the, the, and the mercy of God in our lives. And see here what he says in verse nine, he says, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. Would you go back to verse 10? where it says, I want to know Christ. Would you underline that right now? I want to know Christ. See, because I put my confidence not in me, but in Jesus, Paul's saying. I'm, I've got a new goal now. I've got a new New Year's resolution. I've got a new way of approaching life. Is that my goal now is not to pad my resume and to build my own kingdom, but my goal now is to know Jesus. That's what I want. I want to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. I want to know all that God has for me. And so church, Thrive Church, can I tell you this right now? If there's one goal that you set for yourself this coming year, if there's one thing you do this coming year, become a person who knows Jesus better. Become a person who grows in their relationship with Jesus. It's the best thing you can do. That's how you get a new heart. And that's where it overflows in the other parts of your life. Get to know Jesus better this year. Verse 12 says, not only, not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. See, could you go back to verse 13 and underline those words, forgetting what is behind. See, Peter's saying, Paul's saying, you know what? My goal now is to know Jesus Christ, but I don't know him yet the way that I should. I still have so much more to know, not just intellectually or academically but about Jesus, but personally and experience more of him. There's so much more for me to learn. There's so much for me to more to know. There's so much more of Jesus that I want in my life. But one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to forget what is behind. I'm not going to be distracted by my past resume. I'm not going to be distracted by my past. I'm going to push forward like a football player breaking a tackle after tackle. I'm going to push forward to the word, the goal that God has for me. It's the goal of knowing Jesus Christ in my life. If you believe us, say amen. amen. And see, what does it mean when Paul says, forget what is behind? Does that mean, you know, pretend the past didn't happen, forget it? No, let's talk about what that means today. See, Paul is saying, forget what is behind because he understands that all of us can sometimes be tempted to live in the past. And see, I, I, wanna, I wanna give you guys a distinction today between learning from your past and living in the past. Because those are two different things. See, we can all be tempted to live in the past from time to time. But let me tell you this. There's nothing wrong with reminiscing about good memories from the past. 
You know, that, that's just natural to do. I love doing it. I love, love looking at old photos in my phone or physical photos. Nothing wrong with studying the past because in fact, if we don't study the past and learn from our mistakes, we're bound to repeat them. You know, when we're hurt in our past, you know, it's a hard but important work to do to revisit those memories in order to find healing from our past hurts. You know, when we lose someone we love, you know, it is very natural to look back at the past. It is very healthy, in fact, for us to, to do that, to grieve. You know, part, part of it is looking back at the past. You know, it's part of our, our, our healthy grieving process when we lose someone we love. But see, living in the past is something different. See, living in the past is where you allow your experiences from the past to keep you from moving forward. It's where now your past is limiting your future. It's where, to use a football analogy, it's like your past is blocking you from moving forward. It's blocking you from getting to the future that God has for you. Has that ever happened to you before? Have you ever been stuck in the past, living the past? Have you ever had jet lag before? You know, jet lag is where, you know, you've been operating, living in one time zone, and then you move to another time zone, and your body is physically in that new time zone, but your mind is still adjusted to another time zone, and so you're sleepy at the wrong times, you're hungry at the wrong times, and it's kind of, everything's kind of messed up, and you can't really function in a normal, healthy way. It's kind of like you're here, but you're not really here, you know what I'm talking about? All of us have experienced some of that, if you have traveled from one time zone to another, let me tell you this, living in the past is like having a really bad case case of jet lag. It's where physically here you are today in 2022, but mentally, emotionally, you're still living in another time zone in a previous time. And as a result, it's like kind of, you can't really function in a healthy way. It's kind of, you can't really function in a normal way and you can't really make the most of today because you're still living in the past. Are you living in the past today? How do you know if you're living in the past? Well, there's a number of ways that we can live in the past. Let me just talk about two ways that we live in the past today. The first is this, two ways that we can be tempted to live in the past. Number one, we live in the past when we keep dwelling on past failures and hurts. We live in the past when we keep dwelling on past failures and hurts. This is where we, we, we have trouble letting go of what happened yesterday. We have trouble letting go of yesterday's hurts, yesterday's failures, yesterday's disappointments. It's almost like you've downloaded into your mind this horror movie called A Quiet Place. No, not A Quiet Place. Uh, like, like, uh, like yesterday's failures, where whether it's your own failures or the failures of someone else in your life, and you just keep on replaying that scene over and over and over in a way that is not healthy, where you just kind of dwell on it. You, keep on, you, you, you can't let go of it. You know, I've shared with you a number of ways in the past when I've lived in the past, when, you know, when I went through my first breakup and for months and months and months, I just could not get up from that failure. And as I'm just living in the past, oh, every, every love song reminded me of that girl. You know, you know, every movie reminded me of the past. I'm just living in the past and I can't really move forward. It took me a while to get up from that. I had to learn a lot of lessons out of that. Have you ever lived in the past before? Are you living in the past today? Is there a past failure or disappointment or hurt that you keep on going back to, you keep dwelling on, whether other people know or not? See, I don't mean to make light of any hurt or trouble or trauma you've experienced in the past. But you need to know this, is that for as long as you keep dwelling on a past hurt or failure and refuse to move away from it, you're not gonna be able to move forward in life. And so what, is, what do you do? If you're, if you're someone who tends to dwell a lot on past failures, whether it's your failure or someone else's, what can you do? Let, let me give you one suggestion today. To stop living in the past, remember that in Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness, healing, and power for a new start. Remember that in Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness, healing, and power for a new start. See, if you want to stop living in the past, you've got to recognize that God does not live in the past. See, the, the Bible says that when we had hurt God, 
When we had not just broken God's laws, but we had broken God's heart by the way that we lived our lives. You know, ignoring his way of doing things, ignoring his commands, doing our own thing, rebelling against God. That not only broke God's commands, but it broke God's heart. And see, but God didn't decide, I'm going to live in the past. I'm going to keep dwelling on your hurt and dwelling on the mistakes and dwelling on the disappointment and dwelling on the heartbreak. No, instead, what do you do? He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for all of our past sins and mistakes so that we could have a new start, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have a new start with God. And see, God doesn't live in the past. And see, Jesus, he died on the cross for our sins so that even the gravest sin can be forgiven. Even the deepest hurt in your life can find resolution and healing where Jesus is. If you believe that, say amen. And see, Ephesians 1 verse 3 says it this way. It says, praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Christ, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer. Through the blood of his son, we are set free from our sins. God forgives our failures because of his overflowing kindness. Praise God. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says nothing. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that if you have gone through some deep hurt, some major trauma, that you can just snap out of it by calling on the name of Jesus. I'm not saying that. See, healing for past hurts takes time. Healing for past hurts is a process that requires time and even effort and work on our part. But the good news is that you don't have to do that alone is that Jesus is here in 2022 to help you walk through the process of finding healing for your past hurts. Jesus is here in 2022 to help you get unstuck from the past and move forward again. In fact, we've seen this happen over and over again in Thrive Disciple School, where you know, we've you know, taught people about forgiveness and you know, given them environments and avenues by which they can you know, go back and find healing for their past hurts. And see, here's the thing. We've, we've found that people have taken their hurts, which they've maybe harbored for years, sometimes in, case, in some cases, decades. And because they've learned to give those hurts to God and experience the Holy Spirit ministering to their lives, that they can experience a new start again. And in fact, it's not quite incredible the number of stories we've heard of people feeling like their burden has now been lifted. And not just a momentary emotional thing, but that you know, years later, they find that you know, they, they've been so helped by the things that they learned in Thrive Disciple School to help them get over their, their past hurts. See, people have experienced their burdens being lifted, their outlook and their perspective changing, their minds being renewed, the freedom from being forgiven and extending forgiveness to others. It's for that reason that a lot of our graduates from Thrive Disciple School, they find that they often say that their favorite part of TDS is that part, talking about forgiveness and healing for pastors. We never really expected that because we talk about a lot of different things how to read the Bible, you know, talk about you know, prayer, the Holy Spirit, loving one another. But a lot of people, they find that the most important, most critical, most favorite part of that whole thing for them was when they got to look at finding healing for their past hurts. And see, it just goes to show that you don't need to let yesterday's hurts hold you back from what God has for you today. So you don't need to be haunted forever by the sins and failures of the past, whether it's yours or someone else's. You, you instead, Jesus Christ can give you a brand new start. Instead of continuing to remind that person of all the ways they failed, or instead of dwelling on all the ways that you were hurt or the ways that you failed, you can deal with the past in a different way. Through Jesus Christ, there's a new start. If anyone's in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. Amen? That's the first way that we can dwell or that we can live in the past is when we dwell on our past hurts and we just refuse to get out of that. That's the first way. The second way we live in the past is this, is that we live in the past when we worship yesterday's success and happiness. 
is that when we focus so much on how good things were yesterday versus today, it reminds me of one of the most covered songs in pop history. It's by uh, the most critically acclaimed pop band of all time, the Beatles. And you know, they have a number of songs that are still hits today, but probably the one that's covered more than any other song uh, is a song called Yesterday. Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. Now it looks as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe in yesterday. Suddenly, I'm not half the man I used to be. There's a shadow hanging over me. Oh, yesterday came suddenly. Why she had to go, I don't know she wouldn't say I said something wrong now I long for yesterday I wasn't planning to sing this much of it for you but anyways that's yesterday all right that's yesterday it's talking all yesterday was so great today is so painful and see a lot of us we we go into life with that kind of mentality is that oh life was so much better yesterday you know everything was so good yesterday but today everything's so hard today everything's so painful everything's so bad. Life was so much better when I was going to that school or went to, I had that job or when I was with that person or when I lived in that city or that country. But now look at me, look at my life now. Oh, I long for yesterday. You know, and, and here's the thing, nothing wrong with reminiscing about good memories, nothing wrong about thanking God for the blessings of the past. You know, but here's the thing is that what's the problem with worshiping the past is that when you are so focused on how good everything was yesterday that you can't focus on anything else, what ends up happening? You miss the blessing that God has for you today. You know, Ecclesiastes 7.10 says this, is, do not say, Where were the, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. You know, especially during you know, COVID, we you know, sometimes talk, oh, pre-COVID things were this way. Now that COVID is here, oh, things are so hard. Things are so inconvenient. My life is so stressful. And here's the thing, I'm not denying the fact that life is more inconvenient or life is hard or restrictions sometimes feel not so great. But I, I'm, I'm here to tell you this, is that when you worship the past, as if everything was so much better yesterday. Why can't we go back to yesterday? You can't move forward anymore. You don't give God room for a new horizon because you're so focused on an old one. And so you act as if the best is behind you when with God, the best is always yet to come. With God, God is always writing a greater story. And see, here's a question for you. Are you living in the past? On my phone, I take a lot of pictures, a lot of selfies. (laughs) Um, And I can tell you this is that Almost every week, I am having to delete or upload photos from my phone elsewhere because I just don't have room anymore in my phone for new things. And, and see, maybe this in, in, in a similar way, what are some old images, some old photos that you need to maybe offload just even for a moment so you can make room for the new things that God has for you? You know, for example, you know, this is just one example, but you know, here at Thrive, our goal is to reach people with the love of Jesus. And our goal is to reach people who've never been to church before, who don't come from a Christian background, background and it's kind of show them the relevancy, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and all that stuff, how the relation with Jesus changes everything. Uh, but you know, that said, we also have sometimes people who say they've come from a different church background, all that stuff. And you know this, let me, let, let me ask you a question. Do you know who usually has the toughest time adjusting to a new church? You know, not just our church, but you know, anyone, you know, at any church, do you know who usually has the toughest time adjusting? It's not those who've never been to church before. Usually they're really flexible and accommodating. They're like, oh, we're good. It's usually people come from another very different church background. 
And they're like, you know what? Back at my old church, we only sung hymns. Why don't we sing any hymns? Or, oh, back at my old church, we read scripture this way. Why don't we read scripture this way? Or, you know, back at my old church, we did Bible study this way. Why can't we do Bible study? And here's the thing. We're all for learning, for growing, for improving. We're still a church in training. We've still got lots to learn. We're open to different ideas. We try new things all the time. But let me tell you this, is what's the problem when you're so focused on what happened yesterday? Is that you don't have any room for anything new that God wants to do. And see, that, that's the thing. You know, I, I remember in Genesis chapter 19, there was uh, a guy called Lot and his wife. And Genesis 19, it's a story of how, you know, God is going to lead Lot and his wife and his family out of one city because that city is going to be destroyed. He's always rescuing them from the city that's to be destroyed to bring them to a new city. And, and, he, and the one command that he tells Lot and his wife is don't look back. Don't look back. So he turned around and said, don't look back. And, and he says, don't look back. And as they're fleeing the city, Lot's wife looks back. And the look back, the Bible says, if you look at the original Hebrew, it's not just a, you know, a glance and do, but it's, it, was a, it was a long look back. It was a longing look back. It was this long gaze, kind of like, <sighs> and you know, the Bible says this, is that, you know, in Genesis 19, 26, is that, but Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Now, I don't know what exactly that means. I, I don't know if that means literally figure, but what I do mean, do know is the lesson there is this, is when you live in the past, you stop really living. Is that you're not able to move forward because you're always looking back. And see, what can you do if you tend to live in the past? See, to stop living in the past, recognize that in every new season, God is doing new things. Then every new season, God has new things for you to experience and that there are new opportunities and new blessings today that you didn't have yesterday. You see, maybe recently something happened to you. Maybe you lost something or even someone in your life that has made you feel like your life today is nothing like it was yesterday, nothing like it was before. And you, 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 you're not as joyful, you're not as happy, you're not as hopeful, you're not as strong. And a part of you wishes you could have your old life back. And there's a part of, the part of you that's, you know, can I just not live at all? Can I, can I just go to heaven now? And here's the thing, Jesus, can I tell you this? Jesus can relate to your situation. Because if what the Bible says is true, and Jesus wasn't just an ordinary human being, but he is the eternal son of God who had glory in heaven even before he was born on earth. If that's true, then what that means is that when Jesus Christ took on human flesh 2,000 years ago, that was a major downgrade in a lot of ways. That was him stepping down from incredible glory he had in heaven to be humbled in, in, as, as a human being. And see, when you read Revelation and you see how Jesus is described, you'll see that he is described in this awesome way. He's got like eyes blazing with fire. He's got a face shining with the brilliance of the sun. He's got a sword for a tongue. Wasn't that cool? That, that, that's just, I, I don't even have that word. He's got a sword for a tongue. His, his voice sounds like rushing waters. His feet even are glowing. He's like an avenger and then some and then some and then some. He's just, he looks amazing. And, and there's, a, there's a moment, in fact, in Matthew chapter 17, where Jesus is with his disciples on a mountain and he he transfigures before them. In other words, for a moment, the glory that Jesus had in heaven is restored to him while he's on earth with his disciples on this mountain. And see, this was what Jesus was used to. And now for a number of years, about 30 some odd years, Jesus is humbled in the form of human flesh. And he's needing to get used to things that he was not used to before. He's like, oh my goodness, is this a wrinkle? Are these bags under my eyes? I've never had that before. 
We're like, oh my goodness, what happened to my 24 pack abs? What happened there? They're gone, right? Or, or man, my voice, my voice sounds so different. It sounds like I'm constantly on helium or something. Or you know, as he's hammering away as a carpenter, he's like, ah, oh man, this is what they call a splinter. I've never had that before. And see, don't get me wrong. Jesus was still able to do incredible things. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He walked in water. He did all those incredible things. But still, there was a major adjustment that Jesus had to go through when the eternal son of God became a human being and took on human flesh. But notice Jesus' response. Jesus didn't go, oh man, why can't I just have my old life back? Oh, why can't I have my old life back? What's the point of even living anymore? Instead, to help him persevere through this humbling, difficult season. Jesus saw a greater purpose for the season he was in. Look at Hebrews 2, 17. It says, it was necessary for him, that is Jesus, to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. In other words, it was necessary for Jesus to be made human so he could relate to us, so that he could be that perfect bridge that touches the divine and touches the human, that that bridge between us and God. He had to be made like us so he could represent present us, so he could identify with us, so he could relate to us, so he could die for our sins in a way that would really make a difference. And it says, verse 18, since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are tested. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. See what's going on. Jesus saw that in this new, humbling, more difficult season of his life, where he's a human being confined to human flesh, that there were certain lessons, even in this season, for him to learn. There were certain muscles, even in the season, for him to develop. And it was an opportunity for him to learn to relate to us as human beings. It was an opportunity for him to empathize with what we go through. It was an opportunity for him to identify with our suffering. It was an an opportunity for him to learn to obey the Father in the midst of that suffering. It was an opportunity for him to grow. And see, that I think is incredible, is that when you have a humble heart like Jesus, you can look at even a season where you look at and go, oh man, this is not convenient. This is not easy. This is not like it used to be. And you can look at it and go, you know what? There's something for me to learn here. There's muscles for me to develop here, that this is gonna be a character growing time for me and it's okay. I'm okay with it. I'm gonna learn and make the most of it because I believe God is gonna use it in some way, amen. Hebrews 5, 8 says, although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. See, God has a reason for every season you're in. Every season you're in, God has a reason for it. And see, likewise, you may be going through a really hard, frustrating, humbling, difficult season right now where there's so many adjustments and inconveniences and frustrations and all that stuff. But can I tell you this? It's not without a purpose. The season has a reason. And if you would fix your thoughts on Jesus and make him your example and make him your inspiration and have a humble heart like Jesus to go through the season, you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna learn some things you didn't know before. You're going to gain some skills and some habits that you didn't have before. You're going to develop some muscles that maybe you never thought you knew, you knew even had. And God is going to use your life to make a difference with your new life that you couldn't do back yesterday. Oh, come on. If you believe it, give God a big hand. This place to him right now. Praise God. And see, it's because in every new season, there are new blessings to thank God for. There are new adventures to go on. There's new opportunities to pursue. It's because God is always doing a new thing. Turn to him and say, God is doing a new thing. 
God is doing a new thing. And so instead of being someone who's so hung up on the past, going, oh, why can't things be more like yesterday? You know, you can just do this. God, I can't change what happened yesterday. You know, I can't change the fact that things are different right now, but I'm gonna make the most out of today. I'm gonna learn as much as I can. I'm gonna have a humble heart. I'm gonna fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm gonna trust you that you are writing a greater story. And I believe that through all of this, you're gonna make something good out of it all and that the best is yet to come, amen? You know, we've had an incredible year together in 2021. One of the most amazing years. As much as this year, 2021 was full of surprises, full of challenges, it was also full of God's goodness and blessings. And we you know, saw so many incredible things that God did in and through our church. More people come to Jesus this past year than maybe any other year year in our history. And see, here's the thing. I don't want to live in the past though, as if, oh, the best is behind us. No, I want to live believing that God has even greater things in store for us as a church family, for you personally, and believe the best is yet to come. Amen? Amen. See, those are two ways that we can live in the past. There's also a third way that I'd love to share with you, but we don't have time for that now. I just want to end by saying this. See, God doesn't make you to live in the past. But what he does do is he does want you to keep three things from your past as you go into today, as you go into tomorrow. There are three things, three treasures from your past that God wants you to keep with you wherever you go to help you with whatever you're facing today. Those three things, you want to know what they are? Let me tell them right now. Number one is the lessons you've learned. Number two, it's the people who've helped you. And number three, it's the promises God has spoken. These are three treasures from your past that God wants you to take with you wherever you go. Forget the past or forget what is behind doesn't mean, you know, completely ignore and disregard the past. No, there are three treasures that God wants you to take with you. Let's break them down real quick as we end today. Number one, remember the lessons God has taught you in the past. See, one of my favorite characters in the Bible is Moses. I think Moses is really, really cool. And see, Moses, he's preparing to lead his people, the Israelites, to a new horizon. It's a new land. It's called Canaan. And as he's getting them ready for that new horizon, he says something to them. Deuteronomy 4, 9, he says, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. What he's saying, he's saying, hey, hey, as you get ready for a new horizon, don't forget what God has taught you in the past. Because those past lessons are meant for you to know and remember today. Deuteronomy 6, 12, he says, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued from slavery in the land of Egypt. Don't forget the good ways that God has taught you about who he is and about what you need to know as you go into a brand new year. So here's a question for you today. What is one lesson you learned last year that you need to keep in mind this year? Or maybe put it another way. What is one mistake you made last year that you want to be careful not to repeat this year? See, it's about remembering the lessons that God has taught us. Because if we want to avoid repeating those mistakes and experiencing that heartbreak again, we need to remember the lessons God has taught us through those experiences in the past. That's why taking notes during messages at church helps. That's why keeping a spiritual journal and writing down your thoughts helps. That's why being in a small group can help as well, where you can process the stuff you're thinking about, process the stuff you're learning. And see, if you don't remember the lessons God has taught you in the past, what's going to happen? You're going to end up repeating some of those lessons and having to relearn them the hard way. And so that's one of the treasures you can take from your past. Remember the lessons that God has taught you in the past. Number two, honor the people who've helped you in the past. Honor the people who've helped you in the past. Exodus 13, 19. It says, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear an oath. He said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up with you 
from this place. See what's going on is that 400 years before Moses is leading his people, the Israelites out of Egypt, Joseph 400 years earlier is leading the Israelites into Egypt. He's, you know, second in command in Egypt. He's got tremendous favor and power in Egypt. He's like, yo guys come over here. He's like telling his family, come over here. And over the next 400 years, the Israelites, they multiply, they expand and they, 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 they thrive and they flourish in the land of Egypt until they become slaves. And where the Pharaoh, he forgets about Joseph and he says, I'm going to make you all slaves. And, and see, here's the thing is that Joseph, even back then, even 400 years before Joseph had the prophetic wherewithal to know that one day we're going to leave this place, that we're not going to be here for good. This is not our permanent home forever, but one day you're going to leave this place. And he says, he says to his sons back then on his deathbed, he's like, when I leave this place, when I go, I want you to do something. You're going to leave Egypt one day. And so when you leave Egypt, please take my bones with you. Let me go where you go. Right? And so that, that was Joseph's request. And Moses, 400 years later, he remembers that request. And he's like, okay, we're leaving Egypt. We're getting out of here. Let's do what Joseph asked us to do. And so he takes Joseph's bones. And I don't know how he did it, but he carries them on his back. And, he, and so you can, you can just picture this. This is the present carrying the past. This is the guy who led Israel into Egypt now being carried by the one who's gonna lead them out of Egypt. He's on his back. And it's like Moses, he's carrying this, the, Joseph on his back. Basically, he's kind of saying, hey, Joseph, we didn't forget about you. Joseph, we honor you. Joseph, we wouldn't be here today without you. You put us on your back 400 years ago. I'm going to piggyback you now. And so Moses carries Joseph off with him to this new place. I love that picture. I love that picture. And, and see, that's a picture for you and for me today is that whenever you enter a new horizon, don't forget the people who helped you get there. Don't forget. Instead, you want to carry closely with you the people who've helped you in the past. Amen? Amen? And see, here's the thing. Let, let, let me give you a, a little exercise for the beginning of 2022. Are you guys ready? And you, hopefully you find it to be a fun exercise. I want you to think of someone in your life outside of our Thrive Church community, because we don't want to be always in a bubble, but I, think of someone outside of our Thrive Church community who has really helped you become who you are today. Maybe it's a high school teacher. Maybe it's a coach. Maybe it's you know, an older friend. Uh, maybe it's someone else in your family, someone else, someone who's outside of, your th- of our Thrive Church community. And I want you not just to think about them, but I want to encourage you this coming week to just do something small, just to say thank you to them. Maybe it's to send them a text. Uh, maybe it's to give them a call. Maybe it's to post about them on social media. Uh, you know, maybe they're not here anymore, but you can thank God for them and, and, and pray a prayer you know, to thank God for them. You know, and, and, you, and you, in case you find it a little awkward, like, oh, I haven't talked to that person in ages. I don't know what to say. You can just say, hey, uh, my pastor gave me some homework for the beginning of 2022. Uh, and so I'm just trying to be a good student here. I just want to say thank you so much for the difference you made in my life. Because I don't know where I'd be without you. I'm just so thankful for all the ways that you sacrificed and gave and all the lessons you taught me. I'm so thankful. Because if you do that, what are you doing? You're remembering the past. You are honoring those people who've helped you in the past become who you are today. You know, sometimes, you know, we can get into that place where we don't give the people in our lives enough credit. We, we can be, oh, very spiritual. Oh, it's about God. God is doing this. God is doing that. God is doing this in my life. But then we kind of forget that actually God uses the people in my life, in your life, to become who we are today. And if you can think of someone like that, I encourage you to do so. I know there's someone like that in your life. I encourage you this coming week to just do something small, to just say thank you, to just say, God, thank you for that person. 
Praise God. Don't be someone who forgets the people, but be someone who remembers and honors them. Because even if they're not even presently with you in your life today, the fact is they played an important role in helping you to be the person you are today. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's honor those people. Let's honor those those people. Amen. Number three, we're going to close. The third treasure that I believe God wants you to take from your past wherever you go is remember the promises God has spoken in the past. Remember the promises God has spoken in your past. One last exercise for you. I'll give you an exercise, which is homework for this coming week. Is that okay? Homework for this week. I know many of you are off school, but hopefully this is fun homework for you. Let me give you one exercise to do right now. All right, get your Bible. Get your Bible right now. Maybe yours is a phone. Maybe yours is a paper Bible like mine. I want you to go in your Bible to the very beginning of the New Testament. All right, very beginning of the New Testament. All right, that's basically end of the Old Testament, beginning of the New Testament. It might be for some of you a blank page. All right. Or maybe it's on your phone and it basically it's just one space, one line between Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, and the first book of the New Testament. And I want you to do this. Find that space. I want you to put your finger on that space right now. All right. Whether it's on your phone or on your computer, on a screen or on a book, I want you to find that space right now. And I want you to do this right now. I want you to put your, your hand on that space or put your finger on that space. And let me tell you this. That's, that, that space that you have your finger on right now, this represents 400 years. 400 years. In other words, Between the events of Malachi when Malachi was written, last book of the Old Testament, and the events of Matthew 1, the first book of the New Testament, there was a span of 400 years. That means that during 400 years, there was no new scripture that was being written. And that if you were living in that 400-year gap, all you had to rely on was what God had already said in the past. All you had to rely on were God's promises spoken in scripture previously. And see, why does God do that? See, you're going to find this is sometimes, sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes there will be times in life where you feel like God is silent. And why is that? Let me tell you this. The times when you feel like God is silent, it's not because God is not there. It's not because God doesn't care. It says God is doing something in your life, whether you realize it or not. What is God doing? He's training you. He's growing you. Just like when, you know, if a child, if one of my sons, they just kept on asking me what to do or asking me for something to do or asking me, what should I do? Asking me for a new word every single moment. What what would happen? They would never grow up. And sometimes it's in the silence when we have to, when we're forced to remember what our parents said before, that we are then able to kind of grow and become a little bit more independent and mature. That's what God does for you and for me. See, the thing is that sometimes what we need is not a fresh word from God, but what we need even more is to remember what he's already said and remember the promise he's already spoken to your heart. It's, because, it's not because God plans on being silent forever. It's because he plans on growing you to become a strong, mature disciple of Jesus Christ. If you believe that, say amen. 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 And see, Psalm 119 says, one, uh, it's in verse 145, it says, my eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. Everyone say God's promises. promises. Romans 15, four says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. For everything that was written in the past. And so instead of always looking for new things to hear, new things to learn, think of what has already been written in the past. Because those God gives us so we can through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures have hope for today. Let me put it another way. God spoke his promises in your life in the past so you can hang on to them in the present so you have hope for tomorrow. That's how he does it. He gives you promises yesterday that you can hang on today so you can have hope for tomorrow. See, what is one promise that God has spoken to you in the past that you need to remember in this new year of 2022? Maybe that promise is I'm with you wherever you go. Maybe that promise is I'm always in control. 
Maybe that promise is in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. That God is always working everything out for good. Maybe that promise is my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Maybe that promise is seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness because when you do so, he adds what? He adds everything you need. Maybe it's that God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Those are promises that God's spoken. There's in fact thousands upon thousands of promises in the word of God that God gives to us, not so we can forget about them, but so we can hang on to them so we have hope for today and tomorrow. And see, if you're not sure what those promises are, I encourage you, make 2022 the year when you get to know Jesus better. The year when you get to know Jesus' word better. Sign up for Thrive Disciple School Level 2. Go to mythrive.info to do that. And see, those are three treasures from your past that God wants you to hang on to wherever you go. Last verse for today, and we're going to close. Philippians 3.12 says, Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. In other words, God takes hold of us so that we can take hold of something. And see, last week, my son Bradley, my older son Bradley, he got a basketball hoop for Christmas. Not an outdoor one, because I don't know how you play outdoors right now with all the snow, but he has one that he can hang on his closet. And Caleb, my younger son, he's, he's smaller, he wanted to try to dunk on the hoop. But of course he can't really reach. And so what I do, I grabbed him, I put him on his shoulders and then he could be the, you know, he could be Dominique Wilkins. He could be Michael Jordan. He could be Vince Carter. He could do all those dunks because he had someone holding him up. And why, why do I mention that? It's because Christ Jesus took hold of you so that you could take hold of something. It's the destiny that God has for your life. It's all the things that God has planned for your life. It's to say, I'm not gonna live in the past, but I'm gonna be intentional about saying, God, I'm gonna take the lessons you've taught me. I'm gonna take the promises you've spoken. I'm gonna honor the people and remember them that you've helped me. I'm gonna take this into a new horizon for this life, for this new year, and know the best is yet to come. Amen? Let's stop living in the past. It's time to forget what is behind, strain toward what is ahead, and toward the goal that God has for you. Praise God. Maybe you're here and you realize that this message is for you. And maybe you're here and you're completely new to church or you're kind of, kind of not, not sure what's my next step. Can I tell you what your next step is? The next step you can take, the next best step you can take right here, right now is to ask Jesus Christ to forgive you for your sins. We've been touching on that all throughout this message, how when we couldn't reach for God because of our sins, God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. But it's not enough just to know that. It's about receiving that as a gift. And if you've never done that before, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your savior, never asked him to forgive your sins, then I couldn't think of a better way to begin 2022, this brand new year, than to do just that. And it's as simple as praying a prayer. You don't need to come from a Christian background to pray this prayer. You don't have to have gone to church, you know, for so many years to pray this prayer. All you need to do is know that I'm a sinner who needs a savior and I want Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sins. If you want that, then we encourage you to click the link that's in your chat room, scan the QR code that's on your screen. And I'd love to lead you into a prayer, a very simple prayer to ask Jesus Christ to forgive your sins so you don't need to live in the past, but you can experience a brand new start with Jesus. And so with that in mind, if that's you, you realize you need that, you want that, why don't you click that link in your chat room? Why don't you scan that QR code on your screen? And we're just gonna make this our moment with Jesus. Don't worry about your neighbor. It doesn't concern them. If you need to go to the bathroom and with your phone, go and do that. If you need to go somewhere else and and focus, do that. But make, make this your moment with God. Click that link scan that QR code and it's gonna take you to a page with a prayer on it. And so that you're not doing this on your own, I'm gonna do this with you. In fact, those of you who've prayed this prayer before, I encourage you to pray it with those who are praying for the first time. This is a simple way to ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and to invite him into our lives. And so if that's you, why don't you pray this prayer with me right now? 
You can just say, Dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. That because you love me. Because you, you, died on the cross you died on the cross to pay for my sins. To pay for my sins. You, rose you rose again to give me life. To give me life. Today, Today, I open up my heart, I open up my heart and, I ask you, and I ask you, please forgive me, please forgive me of, all my sins, of all my sins and fill me, and fill me with, your Holy Spirit. with your Holy Spirit. I place my trust, place my trust not, in what I do, not in what I do, but in what you've done for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Did you pray that prayer? Did you mean that prayer? If you meant that prayer, then I encourage you to know this, is that because you prayed that prayer and invited Jesus Christ in your life, you are now a child of God. You are forgiven of your sins. You are a citizen of heaven. You now have a relationship with God, not based on what you had to do, but based on what Jesus Christ has done for you, how he died on the cross for you. It's a gift of God's incredible kindness in our lives. And a big congratulations to you. In fact, can we just congratulate those who just prayed that prayer just now? That's awesome. That's an amazing way. The best way you can start 2022 is the prayer that you prayed just now. And, and to encourage you, encourage you to do, do a couple things. One is encourage you to keep on coming to church because every baby needs a family to grow up in. We'd love to be your spiritual family here at Thrive. Second thing is we encourage you to get baptized. Baptism is not a graduation, it's a beginning. It's you simply saying, I know I'm a sinner who needs a savior and I thank Jesus for being my savior, for dying on the cross for me. And we'd love to help you get baptized. We might not necessarily do it at the beach this time, not in this time of year, uh, but we might do it uh, in some other way that's safe, uh, that's warm uh, and uh, that will basically be a really exciting, joyful way for you to proclaim your new faith in Jesus. And so I encourage you to sign up at mythob.info, press the baptism button for more information on baptism. We'd love to help you with that. Good morning, Thrive! Today we're celebrating the new year together. To everyone here tuning in today, Happy New Year and welcome to Thrive Church. My name is Christine. Today is the first online service of 2022 and I hope you had a fantastic time spending the new year with us here at Thrive Church Online. Before we end off, I'm honored to deliver to you the exciting events of what's coming up here at Thrive. If this is your first time joining us, we're so excited that you're here with us today. We want to show you how much we appreciate you being here today by giving you a Thrive stainless steel water bottle. Please connect with us by texting NEWT to 604-285-5770 or by visiting mythrive.info and click NEW to Thrive so that we can mail you a water bottle. You may have prayed the prayer earlier today to receive Jesus. Congratulations! Share your grace new with us by visiting mythrive.info and click I want to receive Jesus today or text BELIEVE to 604-285-5770. We want to help you build your relationship with God and so we prepared a gift and great biblical content for you to enjoy while answering some of your questions about Christianity. If you're new here to Thrive and are still checking out Thrive Church, we want to invite you to join us for Meet the Pastors on Zoom. It's the perfect way to meet new friends, ask questions, and to know more about Thrive Church. If your goal is to get connected more to a local church, Meet the Pastors on Zoom is the best way to start your journey here at Thrive. It's happening on Sunday, January 16th at 1.30 p.m. on Zoom. For more information and to sign up, please visit mythrive.info. Are you interested in learning more about Thrive and about who we are? If you answer yes, then TDS Level 1 is the right fit for you. TDS Level 1 is the online course for one hour on Wednesday, January 19th. And for more information and to sign up, please visit mythrive.info. 
if you've taken TDS level one and two and would like to learn more about your God-given shape and how to use your ability to serve God and build his church, then I'd like to highly encourage you to join us for TDS level three. It will be a six-week course and fully online. To learn more and to sign up, please visit mythrive.info. Alright, so that concludes our announcements today. If you believe in the mission of Thrive and would like to contribute towards it, I highly encourage you to head on over to MyThrive.info and click Online Giving. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. Enjoy the rest of the week of 2022. Don't forget to tune in next Sunday right here at Thrive Church Online. Happy New Year. Bye!